Hey, um, I'm Eve. I'm the CEO of Fieldwire, a uh, field management platform uh, for construction based uh, in San Francisco. And today I have uh, Sami Lazoya uh, with me. Uh, he's the founder of Lightwire Electrical, uh, an electrical contractor in the New York metro area. Uh, welcome, Sami. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, really, really happy to have you today. So um, I, I would love for you to just kind of like set the stage for us a little bit and tell us a bit more about how you started uh, Livewire Electrical. And I think it's especially relevant since you started it like off of the 2008 recession, right? Yeah, so Livewire Electric was uh, founded in 2008. Uh, me and my partner were fresh out of high school. Um, at, the, at the current time, there was limited opportunity in almost every position out there in finance or any, any professional blue collar position out there. So we, uh, we, we took the tools, we, we, we got involved in a trade uh, and we felt that if, uh, if we worked twice as hard, we'd be able to get twice the amount of, of experience. And uh, you know, it, was, it, was, it was a very limited opportunity time and you know, we banned the main operation. I mean, I can, I can relate with the, the, the founding story being a, being a founder myself, but how, how do you practically start like an electrical contractor uh, what were the early days like and what were kind of like in your mind the, the, the key stages where you saw the company change from where you started and where you so, are now, which is uh, plenty of tradesmen, et cetera. So in the early, in the early stages, uh, you know, what really, what really set, apart, set us apart from a lot of our peers is that we knew that if you worked, you know, if you had three years in, three years experience, we figured, all right, let's work 16 hour shifts for the next three years, I'll give us six years of experience. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll have enough knowledge to purchase a van and start doing small side jobs. And that eventually grew to, you know, customer, a customer base growing and then going into the city and working more into the city and, you know, hard work, dedication, and, you know, being honest with your clients. And, and, and it, it, it was a natural thing. You know, um, we started out very young. So, you know, we're talking about 18, 19 year old kids you know, running around operating an electrical contracting business, you know, a van to man operation. A lot of people uh, saw us as young, ambitious, uh, good kids, and they took us in and they, you know, they gave us opportunities that, that a lot of our peers didn't have because, you know, we were just, you know, we're, we're ambitious individuals and we grew from that and, and used, we didn't let the grass grow under our feet. We worked very hard. We took every opportunity possible. And we were smart about it. You know, we, we reinvested in our, in our company. You know, we knew that we had to do everything, everything right because it was 2008, 2010. It was tough. It, was, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to make money. It wasn't easy to get clients. Nobody wanted to spend money. And, you know, we, uh, we grew. And, you know, that, that was then. And now we're a 150-man operation, a full electrical engineering team, a full estimating team. And we're one of the New York City's uh, premier electrical contractors today. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the gross pains are always, uh, always difficult, but like that's, that's a ton of gross over, um, over 10 years. So if we go a little bit more in the, in the kind of like the, the hot subject right now, which is really um, just COVID-19 and its direct impact uh, on, on, on businesses. Um, basically, you're in, you're in the New York Metro. It's probably one of the, the epicenter of, of, the, of the crisis right now in the country. Uh, what, what's the impact on work? How are you adjusting the way the business runs uh, due to that situation? So, 
I can tell you like this, uh, prior to COVID-19, uh, Livewire Electric was operating roughly 30 projects daily. Um, today, we're on eight essential projects, and mm -hmm. those are essential projects to uh, the cause to fight COVID-19. So if you don't have those essential projects, you're operating with zero yep. projects currently. So that's a very difficult position for anybody to be in. Even for a company as large as us to be on eight projects isn't enough work you know, to, 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 to run an operation as large. Um, the good thing is, is that we were able to have a tailored approach to, down, to downgrade our company during the shutdown. So yep. what we did is we balanced the productivity on each job site um, and reduced, reduced manpower on every job site as needed. So if a project had uh, a 10 man, uh, 10 man, uh, a 10 man project, we dropped it down to eight men. Uh, we took a tailored approach to the shutdown and we're going to take a tailored approach to the reopening. Um, we put, we, we used it, we allocated time, the time off to put in safety protocols, be, uh, be as vigilant as possible, put in, put PPE protocols together, be flexible with our employees, um, you know, reach out to clients and let them know that they're, that they could be confident that we're here for them and, and that we're, you know, we're ready and willing and, and available. And that from estimating to our service department, you know, across, across the whole spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I actually saw that you guys published uh, a, a really, uh, a really clean PDF around, around safety measures. And we'll, we'll try to put the links uh, when, whenever we post like this interview, I thought it was really well done. Um, how, uh, how has the discussion evolved with, uh, with the GCs and owners you, you work with? Uh, they're probably aware of the fact that there is disruptions to the supply chain, disruption to the way you guys are able to operate on site. How are they adjusting the dates and the expectations of project delivery? So, you know, we have a good base of clientele. Um, transparency is the most important thing when it comes to, uh, to scheduling and timelines. Um, like I said, we have a tailored approach of reopening and we've been transparent about that to all of our clients. We need to have a, uh, we need to have a very flexible, transparent, and a good approach balance to safety and productivity when it comes to reopening sites. Um, our technicians have to be, feel comfortable that they're able to go to the sites and have the proper PPE. Mm. Uh, they have to feel comfortable that they're going to have the proper protection when they go to the site and the proper screening. Um, and the ownership and, and our GCs need to be comfortable that they're going to get the proper productivity on these projects. And that's a, that's a balance that we're working very closely with our technicians and our team leaders and our foremen. And, you know, like I said, transparency is going to be the most important thing moving forward. Yeah, uh, I think uh, cross-company transparency has been uh, put to the test in those recent weeks. Uh, and it's been good for the industry to some degree. I think people are, are trying to work together a bit more uh, than it is sometimes usual in the industry. Uh, do, you, do you have a date for, for New York in terms of where in, uh, non-essential non projects are going to be able to, uh, to reopen? What's the situation? So there's no concrete date as of yet. Um, I do believe there's a, a, a date floating around of May 15th, but we haven't had any uh, concrete evidence of that, that coming to fruition as of yet. Uh, we hope that, you know, the mayor or the elected officials um, allow us to open up non-essential projects. Um, but yeah. like I said, we have to allow science and, and, the, and the safety community to come first. And slowly but surely, we, we will uh, we'll get back to it. Yeah, I mean, like the safety first. I mean, my brother is in New York as well. So, uh, you know, you got you to gotta do what you, what you need uh, to keep everybody safe. 
Um, so with that, with that reduced activity, like as a, as a business owner, as a founder, like how are you redirecting some of that extra bandwidth that you're getting uh, to, to keep the business healthy and, and just how are you adapting really as a founder? Uh, what are you planning to do over the next few months, few years? So every business has their key personnel um, that's unreplaceable. Um, any, any key personnel um, that we have, we're speaking to them and we're, we're, we're sharpening our tools. We're taking this time to sit back and sharpen our tools. We're looking at what are the things we don't like about our business. Let's be blunt about it. What are the things that we dislike about our business that we haven't had the time to that we put on the side mm-hmm. burner? And those are the things that we're attacking. Um, we're revamping our, our departments everywhere from engineering to estimating to project management. We're looking at ways to yep. be more efficient. Um, we're reaching out to our clients. That's something what a lot of people don't do. And in a time like this, you need to reach out to your clients. You need to let them know that you're there, that you're going to continue to be pricing, uh, that you're going to continue to be able to service them. Um, and, and that's what we're doing. That's our approach. Um, it's, been, it's been beneficial. Um, Clivewire Electric has always had a great balance sheet, which is always good. Um, we've had great reputation with our vendors and reaching out to vendors. You know, you have guys, in this, you know, you have people that run away from them. You got to reach out to your vendors. You got to reach out to your clients. You got to let them know, hey, we, we're here. We're not going nowhere. Um, we're in this together. And, you know, make deals that are going to be beneficial for your company, beneficial for your vendors, and, 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 and continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like in a, in a bull market, I think everybody makes money. And when the market tightens a little bit, the, the great company makes money, make money. And I think it's a good time to focus on, on what makes company great. Uh, as, as opposed to just trying to, uh, to meet the benchmark. Uh, it looks like you're running a pretty integrated shop. I mean, you say you have your internal estimating. Uh, I'm guessing you do your internal detailing on, on, on work, uh, plus the crews. Like, do you, uh, how are you approaching this from, from the tech perspective? Yeah, so Livewire Electric, we've, we've developed uh, uh, our own, our own uh, system as far as organizing a lot of uh, bid sheets and, and bid coordination. Um, so as far as technology, we're always looking to improve, obviously. Um, we use a lot of third-party third party, um, programs as well. Um, as far as when it comes to estimating, we use three different estimating softwares. Um, okay. I'm heavily involved in the estimating department as well. I kind of look at almost every number that comes out of this place to make sure that, you know, our clients get an honest and transparent number and that you know, we're making sure that we're profitable and, and going to be able to keep the lights on. Um, so we're always looking for ways of, of, of trimming, trimming the fat, as you'd say, or as, in as, as efficient as possible. But technology yep. is one of the biggest things in our office, absolutely. What's, what's the key metric of productivity for, for an electrical contractor? I'm guessing that the labor is, is the big cost uh, in making sure that progress is done well. How do you look at it day to day or weekly or monthly in terms of making sure that as a company, you're making money every day rather than, uh, and not. So, you know, you have to, you have to be able to, to audit, audit your teams and, and audit projects. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, when we come up with an estimate, you know, we're very, we're very technical about it. We know how many men, how many men hours need to be on that job. How many mm-hmm. men are supposed to be there. Uh, when we have a kickoff meeting, we sit down and we say, hey, this is how many hours we have. This is how many men we have. The project management team should try to beat it. Um, they look to beat that number at all, at all times. And we audit every one of our teams individually. 
we audit our our labor weekly almost uh, to make sure that things are moving in the right direction um, and to make sure that what we forecast is correct. Sometimes labor has to increase because of change orders and obviously and whatnot, but you gotta, you gotta know your numbers. Um, you, you have to know your numbers. Uh, if you don't know your numbers in this industry and you don't know how to control your labor, you're gonna be wake up for a rude awakening. Because in this business, you bleed slow. You, you yep. don't bleed quick, you bleed slow. You, you, you make 10,000 on one job, you lose 11,000 on another job, but they're far mm -hmm. apart from each other. So you need to know your numbers. And if you don't know your numbers, like I said, you're gonna have a rude awakening. Yep. And I, I mean, think, uh, I, and to, to, to be honest with you, I think that's an advantage that we have on a lot of people is because a lot of people don't have the technology or don't look to invest in the technology mm. uh, to know their numbers. And that's enough. That could be a, that could be a scary thing. We uh, we have a, a saying at Fieldwire, which is that uh, revenue is made in the office and profit is made in the field. Um, and so yeah. you want to have a good estimating department that is accurate at pricing, but you need to drive that profitability. Uh, at the crew level, they need to know uh, intuitively whether uh, they're ahead or not of, of the profitability line. Uh, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Uh, maybe as a, as a as a kind of a closing question. I mean, so as we said, like New York uh, is uh, is is one of the the epicenter of of the crisis right now. I was looking at the stats. There's actually a, a thousand deaths per million inhabitant. Like if you look at uh, New York State, like New Jersey, Connecticut, Connecticut, like it's it's about there. Um, so I think you guys are probably the most uh, qualified to start talking about recovery and what it truly means to reopen uh, an industry uh, when, within the, the conditions that you have over there. Uh, what, are, what are some of the, the key things that, that you've seen uh, or the advices that you have for, for others? So I think one of the biggest things, and as Americans, is is confidence. We need to have confidence that it's safe to go back on subway. We need to make sure it's confidence that it's safe to go back on the job sites and that we're mm -hmm. going to be able to be healthy for our families and, and provide for our families. Um, with that said, you know, there also needs to be a balance. We do need to get back to work, um, but we need to be to do it in a safe, uh, in a safe manner. Um, and I think, I believe that responsibility falls upon uh, ownership of the, of the businesses, uh, general contractors, uh, the elected officials. Um, yeah. I think employ employers need to be extremely flexible with their employees, you know, and, and they have to monitor things that they may have not had to monitor before. You know, where where our protocol and, and, and I'm sure you'll put a link into it, our protocol outlines uh, what our project managers and what our foreman need to look out for. And if one of those, you know, if a, an employee has a call, if an employee sneezes, if an employee seems that he has a temperature. Uh, at that moment in time, you have to ask the employee to, 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 to go home, to leave the site, and to go get tested for COVID-19 or to self-quarantine, and it's, it's a paid time off. Nobody's getting in trouble. The guaranteed mm. job when you get back, nobody's, you know, this is, this is something that's affecting everybody. We're not alienating anybody, but we need yep. to be very cautious of it. And it needs to be in the responsibility of the right people. Because, you know, you have employees that are going to be terrified. They've been all for five weeks. You know, they have to survive for their families and they may hide a cough. You know, that, those are things that we need to, to look out for. We need to make sure that we're providing the proper PPE to every uh, individual on every site. And we're doing the proper screenings and, and that we're being extremely flexible with our employees and being transparent with our clients. And I think that's ultimately uh, going to give us uh, a, a leg up and, and, and put us on the right path to, to opening up successfully.
yeah, I mean, makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, so follow the policy, do practical, well done uh, steps to protect your employees and stay confident and optimistic because this is America after all, uh, and, and we gotta, we gotta reopen this economy. Uh, great. Well, yeah. thanks so much, Sammy. Uh, I think, uh, that was, uh, that was a really good, uh, really good, uh, knowledge and, and, and interview, uh, to, to, to share with us. Um, uh, and so, uh, looking forward to hear more from, from you and your team in the future. 